G'day. Talking about pedagogy with Ryan Shelton, Deputy Principal of Learning at Holy Cross College. This podcast is by teachers for teachers on the art and science of teaching. Holy Cross College is a pre-kindergarten to year 12 Catholic school situated in the metropolitan area of Perth, Western Australia. As an Apple Distinguished School, the college is a global leader in contemporary 21st century pedagogies that are Christ-centered and student-focused. The college's vision for learning allows for all students to be engaged, challenged, and progressing. Well, welcome to this episode of Talking About Pedagogy. Today's episode has with us someone who's the expert of experts when it comes to pedagogy, and because she is the pedagogical practice coordinator for Catholic education in West Australia, um, and that is one of the funkiest titles. I know I almost say that every episode, but that is probably the, the absolute um, icing on the cake of titles going around. Pedagogical practice coordinator, Kylie Day. Kylie originally grew up in Victoria, and she did her undergraduate degree at uh, La Trobe University in um, Bendigo. Then she went to Alice Springs, where she worked in Catholic schools across pre-primary right through to year 12. Um, During her time there, she very quickly rose up into leadership positions, religious education coordinator, assistant um, curriculum coordinator. And then in 2014, she made the move to the good side of Australia, in Western Australia, and um, was employed at Holy Cross College, uh, my favourite school. Um, And there she was a classroom teacher, then a cluster coordinator, assistant principal in the junior school, and then vice principal. And now... Um, works for uh, Catholic Education in West Australia. She has since um, completed some further postgraduate studies um, in instructional leadership, a graduate certificate in religious education, a graduate certificate in behaviour, and most recently just finished her Master of Education in Leadership and Management. She's also um, an executive branch member for ASIL WA. So we're talking here to someone who knows that they're talking about, has got lots behind them, and is connected. So, Kylie, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to be here. And how are you finding your role as the pedagogical practice coordinator so far? Yeah, absolutely loving the change. It's so good to be able to work at that system level and work across teams and work with different leadership um, teams within CWA across WA. So really good to see some of the fantastic things that are happening in our schools um, and also working with the consultants in the office is great as well. That's awesome. And so today's episode, we really want to go into what good pedagogy looks like. Um, but first of all, being someone who's really working in the system, um, one of the big driving factors for us in education at the moment was signed in December 2019, the Alice Springs Declaration for Education. For those that haven't read it, I strongly suggest anyone listening to this podcast is is a critical document for all of us in education to read. It replaced the Melbourne Declaration that was previously um, out there. What do you see within this Alice Springs Declaration from a system level um, in terms of for all of us that we should be looking to implement in our pedagogy? Yeah, look, I think the Alice Springs Declaration is is a great document and much needed update to the Melbourne Declaration. It didn't get much traction, I think, because it was released in the end of 2019 and then with COVID hitting in 2020, it hasn't really hit many schools um, and changed practice just yet, but it definitely has the potential to do that. Uh, What I love about the Alice Springs Declaration is around the two broad goals within that, and it's really looking at preparing students for lifelong learning 
so that they can be active and informed members of the community. So it's taking that shift away from just rote learning content to really being active and informed and making change within society. It's also talking a lot about excellence and equity, Mm. um, which I think really came out during COVID in terms of what does equity look like for our students in this learning space. So it challenges staff, it challenges schools um, to make some changes for the better and to put the students at the centre of the learning yeah, so, so thinking there about lifelong learning, and it's a big catchphrase in education. Mm. Um, I suppose let's go to a practical level really quickly here. Um, what are some really effective pedagogical practices that will help us to instill lifelong learning in students? I think that really comes down to those general capabilities, those capacities for learning. So providing students with the opportunity to think creatively, to think critically, um, those active learning, not passive learning in the classroom. So get them discussing with their peers, um, having the students doing the talking, not the teacher. So um, at CEWA, we talk about um, teacher as activator, teacher as facilitator and teacher as communicator. So it's very much about bringing those three things together Mm -hmm. so that they can use the learning. In the real world, in our jobs, it's very rare that an employer would come up to you and say, I want to know X, Y, and Z and just regurgitate it from a policy or a document. What they want you to do is solve their problems. Yeah. <laughs> so it's about giving children and students in classes problems worth solving yeah. so that you've got that authentic connection. They're able to draw on skills across cross-curricular areas, um, use those critical thinking, communication, you know, character, yeah. citizenship, or, you know, Michael Fullan's six C's those problem-based learning pedagogies are going to help achieve that goal. That's good. So what would you define as the most effective pedagogies? That's a really hard question. And I I don't think there is a magic pedagogy that if you do this, your kids will meet this goal or do that. The most effective pedagogical practices are those that meet the students where they're at Mm -hmm. and take them forward. And what that looks like within that learning cycle will be different. So there is absolutely a important place for explicit instruction when you're yeah. giving out that content and the beginning of lessons, just as much as there's importance of collaborative learning, inquiry-based learning. So it's about having that balance. It's not taking the pendulum one side too yeah. far one way or too far the other, but about that balanced approach. It depends on the developmental age of the children and it depends on the learning area and the actual learning intention for that yes. lesson. I think often we hear, um, you know, effective pedagogy and we think, great, if I do that, my kids will be learning. Um, but it's really about the context. That's right. And because in a class of 32, you've got 32 different contexts yeah. in order to facilitate students at different levels, coming with different backgrounds. We talk about meeting point of need when we go to learning. And often, if we just come in as a teacher right from the start and hit that, that midpoint, automatically we've lost half of our class yeah. right right from there. And the other half of the class are probably beyond that midpoint mm. that we started at and then we've lost them right from that original um, beginning of our learning design. What about like instructional range? What, what stands out to you right now in terms of what are you seeing some of those good things being within the classroom? Yeah, and I, once again, that instructional range is centred on having those quality relationships with your students. Yeah. You need to know where they're at and where they need to go. You need to know the background of your mm-hmm. kids. You need to know what they gel with, what they connect with. You need to build in that engagement, cognitive engagement, behavioural engagement, emotional engagement yeah. to really get them across the line. Um, And what the research is showing us, that when students can construct their own knowledge and participate actively in that, then they're more likely to be engaged. So teachers need to be able to move along that um, instructional continuum and be able to pull elements from the different approaches. 
and that's where I think things like student agency is just really critical, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Um, engaging the students to take ownership in what they're doing and how they're going to learn um, within the process, I think is, is absolutely critical to that um, good um, pedagogy. The other document that I suppose is really guiding us at the moment in education, which came out in 2018, was Gonski 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know that you went over to New South mm-hmm. Wales um, when the Gonski report was originally released. What stands out to you from that? Yeah, you're right, Ryan, we did. We went over with the ministerial group um, and we spoke with Gonski himself as well as members from ACER and ACARA just on these implications and recommendations and such powerful discussion comes out of that. Yeah. Look, within there, there's, um, you know, three or two main priority areas um, and then the third one as well in terms of having engaged learners in the rapidly changing world and recommendations and priorities. So there's a lot in there. There absolutely is a lot in there. Um, I think what stood out for me was that focus on contemporary pedagogies, um, engaging in the real world, that authentic learning, which very much is mirrored in the Alice Springs Declaration. Um, But another real focus was around having that one year's growth for one year of learning, so that output versus input, regardless of starting point. And I think within our education system driven by curriculum, um, we sometimes lose track of that. We're focusing mm-hmm. predominantly on achievement and our reporting system focuses on achievement. How have they gone against, against our national achievement standards? So the focus on growth, I think, is so powerful because some of our students who struggle academically can actually be making more growth mm. than some of our higher achieving students. So how does that challenge us as educators to be able to cater for them, to extend that top yes. end, which is often something that is missed, um, to be able to and measure that. And what yeah. does that look like in terms of measuring, reporting and feeding back to parents? Because parents of students who struggle um, probably get a little bit sick of the same conversation about, oh, your child's struggling, they're not yes. quite at level. So how do we change that conversation about how far they've progressed? Um, and that can be a con- conversation of celebration for some of those families and That's those right. students as well. And it's a constant balancing act, isn't it, for schools? And you would see this when you're looking at it from a system perspective, we need really good year 12 results because that's an important part of marketing, an important part of enrolment numbers and respect for a school community and building an academic culture. However, what's more important, you mentioned lifelong learning before, is what they're going to be like when they leave school in the workplace. And that's where we want to be growing all of Mm -hmm. our students rather than worrying about a grade or an end of year. You still got to do it because it's a balancing act. However, there's some, a bigger picture at play and success that we want to build and resilience mm-hmm. for these kids. And if we're constantly saying negative things about them and you're always a D mm-hmm. and, and that D is a bad thing, um, that's only going to demoralise them to, away from education, mm-hmm. isn't it? Absolutely. And particularly in year 11 and 12, content is such a heavy driver of yeah. what the teachers are focusing on because they need to prepare them for those end of year exams to be able to get into uni or whichever pathway yeah. that they want to go on. But I guess that's where you need the most creative pedagogies because students these days can access content as easily as we can. It's all on the internet. It's all at your fingertips. They don't need a teacher to stand there and tell them the content. So it's about how do we actively engage them in that content so that they can think about it critically, analyse it, synthesise it, evaluate it, those higher-order thinking skills, which we've been talking about for years. (laughs) And ultimately, that's what they're looking for in the exams. It's very rare that the question just asks them to recall facts, but they need to be able to take the content that they've learned and apply it through an essay or through an analysis. Yeah. Look, while I've got you here today, because you are the pedagogical practice coordinator, um, I really love recommendation 10, 
um, of the Gonski Report, which talks about accelerating the development of contemporary pedagogy through the use of collaboration, mentoring, observation and feedback. This is really about building capacity mm. of teachers to take this contemporary pedagogy into the classroom. Is, yeah, what are you doing in this space from a system perspective to help accelerate the development of this contemporary pedagogy? Yeah, look, we're working quite closely with leadership teams in this space. Um, there's a big focus at the moment on development and embedding school-wide pedagogies across yep. schools uh, and vision for learning. So that's definitely something that um, schools are wanting, seeking out, which is really exciting in that space because it gives us a chance to look at what we're doing, reshape that and put that in a direction that kind of meets the Alice Springs Declaration, the Gonski Reports, the CEWA Vision for Learning, so that we are preparing students for lifelong learning. The research shows us that the quality of teachers differs more within a school than between schools. So it mm. really is about how do we harness the expertise of the teachers we do have in our schools, get them on board, get them doing that shoulder-to-shoulder mentoring, coaching yeah. to upskill and build the capacity of others. Um, that collective efficacy is so powerful. Mm. So if we can get that right within schools, um, then I think we're definitely on the right track. You know, processes such as observations and feedback, yes, they might be mandated and compliance-type mm processes but if done right they can be really powerful at helping to change practice but once again it's all about having that learning culture within the school um, as the starting point so a lot of the work that we're doing with schools in WA at the moment is is about establishing a learning culture first Mm -hmm. Um, you're not going to be able to enhance practice and pedagogies and have school-wide pedagogies if you don't have a learning culture first They need to be able to harness the trust between staff to be able to go, "Mm, I'm stuck with this, I've got a problem of practice, what can I do? To be able to have those conversations about growth, professional growth, as opposed to just achievement is is so key. Um, You know, we often talk about being in the learning zone as educators. And I think providing opportunities for staff to do that is really powerful, but also to learn from each other. It's not always about getting external facilitators in to run PL, but how do we use what we've got on staff? Um, Because then, you know, the research also shows that the most effective PDs or um, professional learning opportunities are ongoing. They're not one-off, standalone sessions. So if you're harnessing the staff within schools, those conversations can be ongoing and that support can be provided at point in need. Yeah. And and it's a part of, like, dropping our ego, isn't it, Mm. to go, I I want to learn, I want to have someone in my classroom, I want to create a low-stakes environment where it's okay for someone to give me feedback and it's not critical feedback, Mm. but it's going to help me to improve because education is moving slower than the change in society at the moment. Yeah. Like our world is moving so fast, but our education system needs to catch up. Mm. And the way to do that is for that constant shoulder-to-shoulder learning from each other, isn't it? Because within the system, we've got so many experts, mm. but often can be an untapped research but resource. But partly that would be time-poor kind of structures within our education mm. system. So it's up to us to make that work, isn't it? Yeah, and it's about that growth mindset. Yeah. I mean, when we're in the classroom as teachers, we expect our students to do exactly what you just said. We expect them to ask for feedback, um, yes. seek help when needed, to work collaboratively, to realise they don't know it all yet. Mm. Um, but yet as teachers, how are we modelling that to students? It's a great perspective. And to actually, you know, John Hattie's research on effect sizes shows that feedback is one of the most powerful influences on student output and achievement. So that's the same for teachers. 
So if we're actively getting quality feedback that's going to help us improve practice and we're open to that, that's going to enhance our own professional capacity in that space. So thinking about that, so a number of school leaders listen to this podcast. What advice would you give to them to be thinking about to help build this learning culture in their school? It's really about getting staff all on the same page. Do you have a shared understanding of what you're trying to achieve as a school? Yeah. Um, do you have a vision for learning? What do you want for the graduates of your school when they finish with you after 6, 12, 13 years, whatever yeah. your context might be? What does that look like? And then how are you going to achieve that? So we often look at Simon Sinek's why, how, mm-hmm. what model and really starting with that why. Why are we here? And to have a learning culture, you need to have shared investment in that why. And then from once you've got that, you can start looking at the how, the pedagogical practices, the teacher practices, what is it that, and how are we going to implement that? And then the teachers can take that back into, well, what does that look like for my classroom, for the age of my students? Um, so that's a really great place to start. I know a few schools are coming up with um, professional learning charters. So it's mm-hmm. like you would with the students in the classroom in terms of building that learning culture. Yeah. So there's psychological safety. It's okay to take risks. How are you building that with staff? first and foremost. That's good. And then let's go to the other end of the spectrum. We've got graduates, mm. you know, newly ex, um, experienced teachers to the industry that listen to this as well. What would you say to them as they're starting to think about this and building their own learning culture and their own pedagogical practice as they're developing? What would you say to them? It's a really interesting space for graduates. They've just completed uni where they've had pracs and during those pracs they've been getting constant feedback so their mentor teachers are constantly giving them feedback direction of how to improve practice and then all of a sudden they're in the room by themselves and it's really hard for them to gauge if they're being effective or not yeah so the best thing they can be doing is to be actively seeking that mentor keep those practices that they had from uni ask people to come in and observe, ask for feedback, do that shoulder to shoulder because they've already got that innate ability to receive feedback and to improve on practice because they've done that. Um, What we often find is teachers will improve for about the first three years after uni and then just plateau. Mm. And that's because they're not getting that regular feedback. They've kind of mastered their craft. You know, the first year is a bit of a whirlwind. Second year, you kind of feel like you're on top of it. And then third year, you can kind of cruise a little bit. And if we don't challenge our staff, if we're not giving them feedback, observations, there's the risk that they'll just stay there. Um, So for graduate teachers, it's about seeking those opportunities. Find out Mm -hmm. who on your leadership team is is your mentor or your buddy who can come and actually give you some practical ideas and feedback on what you're doing. Also, it's okay to be in that learning zone. Don't expect to be perfect at your your practice to day day one. Um, You know, after... 10, 15 years of teaching, you're not going to be perfect at your practice. There's, yes. there's always things that we can learn. And I think if you have that mindset and you're always seeking to improve for the interests of the students because you want to improve their learning um, and come from the right place in that, in that area, um, I think, yeah, you've got, a lot, you've got a lot to learn and to grow and you're doing it for the right reasons. And as hard as it is, the research talks about the fact that if, if you pre-plan for someone to come into your lesson automatically it will be a different lesson mm. to if it was just a, a walk-in. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can challenge yourself to say to your mentor, just come at any time and mm. I don't know when it's coming, there is absolute value in that because then they are seeing yeah. 
what it's really like. Those authentic opportunities and experiences. You know, they, and when someone observes your class or is immersed in your class, they see things from a different angle. They can see the level of engagement for, from different students and the output. Because you might have 32 kids in yeah. there and by yourself you can't do that. Um, if you're fortunate enough to work in a school like Holy Cross where there's team teaching opportunities, yeah. you can learn so much as well just from being in the classroom and observing how other people are embedding pedagogical practices and building relationships yeah. um, and learn from each other because there's definitely, no matter what school you're at, there'll be staff with expertise and, and demonstrating excellence in teaching and learning. So if you were to walk into a classroom, what would you want to see? That's a great question. I, what I would love to see, though, right, is that students are actively engaged in their learning yeah. and whatever that, that looks like, depending on the developmental age, but that the students are constructing that, that learning. Yeah. Um, at Holy Cross, we term it sort of innovative rigour, but it goes back to Vygotsky's work on zone of proximal development. Yeah. It's that each student is in that zone. It's not too easy that they're getting bored. It's not too hard that they're getting frustrated. But the teacher has intentionally differentiated the process for yeah. the student to achieve that based on their level of needs, that there's authentic connection, that students know what they're learning and why and mm. how they're going within that and what they need to do next. Um there's, you know, if it's in a primary classroom, there's manipulative, there's materials, there's resources that they can easily access. They have agency in how they're going to present their learning. Yeah. So there might be, um, you know, you've got your learning intentions and success criteria that have been co-constructed, but the way that I show you that, I have some agency in that yeah. space. And given your work as well as with schools in things like professional development, if you walked into a school professional development or um, PLC or anything like that, what would you want to see in that? The same. Yeah, so, yeah teachers are the worst students. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Really <laughs> and definitely the most critical when it comes to it. And that's because they, they know what good teaching and learning looks like. Yeah. And I think often when we're planning PLs, we forget our pedagogy. We, and we stand we in front of a that. keynote presentation and just go through the slides. Yeah, and we stand there and go, this is what good teaching and learning looks like, and I lecture them for two hours. Well, <laughs> that's not going to be effective. They're not going to take anything away from that. Yeah. So I want to give them time to actually construct the learning, to get into the academic readings, to find out what the research yeah. is saying, but then actually giving them specific intentional time to apply that because we know that teachers are busy. So if they sit through a PL, they get some really great learning. The chances of them going and implementing it if they yeah. don't have time to actually do that in the PL is quite minimal because if they need another meeting to implement what they've learned, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> so what we want to do is to make have that experiential yeah. nature. We often talk about the 70-20-10 rule when yeah. it comes to PL. We want 70% to be experiential. We want them to be actively involved in the learning, creating resources, doing things that's going to be contextual for their classroom. We want 20% to be that collaboration, shoulder to shoulder, talking yep. through with other people, what can we do there? And then 10% input, 10% being talked that's at, good, given the it? content. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really good model, particularly if it's a full day PL. Yeah. You can really make sure that we're capturing those main messages but we're bringing in some academic research, so it's not just what I think. This is yes. what the literature and research is yeah. saying. And then we're giving them time to apply it. Yeah, oh, I love that. I love that mm. 70-20-10 model. That's good. I'm going to have to use that next week. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, speaking of like academic research and um, having things behind what we're talking about, 
can you suggest any good reads at the moment or any good books that you've done or any good places for people to go out and um, help develop some substance behind their thinking at the moment? Yeah, there's some great books and research research out there. Um, to start with the main ones, you know, the ones that we've talked about today is a really good point because yeah. you've got the national there in terms of the Alice Springs Declaration. This is where we're heading at a national level. Yeah. In terms of more that practical application, um, there's, a, there's a great book called Leading Professional Learning yeah. um, and that really talks about those learning cultures asking the right questions. We're actually reading that as a teaching and learning directorate at the office at the moment yep. so that we can be making sure that we're supporting teams um, and leadership to, to be able to model that as well as to ensure that when we go out to schools, mm -hmm. we're doing the same thing. That's great. Well, Kylie, thanks so much for your time today. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to, I suppose, everything around why we're doing what we're doing at the moment in this space. Um, have you got any final tips to the listeners around pedagogy or improving their own practice at the moment or how they can um, help work with their own school or their own context to get better? Yeah, look, I think, you know, pedagogy is the kind of the flavour of the month and the, the role I'm in at the moment is very much centred around pedagogical practice. And that's such a broad term. It's yes. such a, a vague term. There's no magic fix with pedagogy. It's very much about knowing your context, knowing your students, and then having that range to be able mm -hmm. to go between and knowing when you don't know what's next and actively seeking that from yeah. your colleagues, from research and dipping in and out of that. For leadership teams, it's about building your capacity to be able to lead in this space yep. um, because, you know, I've been in leadership at K-12 to schools, primary schools, and they're busy places. And often the first thing that goes is our time to read the research, to get the academic yeah. rigour around what it is we're teaching our um, staff that then filters into the classroom. So it's about making sure that that is also a priority yeah. um, because if ultimately schools are here to educate students and teaching and learning is our core business. So we need to be actively engaged and involved in that cycle of learning yes. at all levels. And it's okay not to know. It's mm -hmm. about seeking that information and supporting. And as a leadership team, learning alongside your staff. There's nothing more powerful than when I deliver PL in schools to see the principal, the AP, the deputies sitting there engaging in the yeah. learning, the same as the staff, because that sends such a strong message that we're all in this together, yeah. we're all learning, and we're all putting the students first. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Kylie. If people want to connect with you, do you know your Twitter handle off your head? I do. It's um, at Mrs. Kylie Day. Nice and simple. <laughs> oh, that's easy to follow. Um, yeah, and so, look, thanks. if people want to connect with you and reach out, they'll, they'll be able to do that through there and um, a, a great opportunity for you to, I suppose, help with others. And, you know, thank you for your great work that you're doing across the system and um, some great things there for us to think about around, you know, really implementing Gonski's rep recommendations and the Alice Springs Declaration and um, lots there about that sense of shoulder to shoulder. So thanks for your time today. Thanks, Ryan. I hope all goes well and good luck to all the schools that you continue to work with. Yeah, perfect. Thanks so much. If you know any awesome educators that we should have on this podcast, please reach out. Thanks for listening to the Talking About Pedagogy podcast from Holy Cross College. Be sure to find us at holycross.wa.edu.au and follow us on Twitter. Goodbye, God bless, and thank you for being my friends. Thank you.